to right now. This is a little special thing that I was going to throw together later on in our hiatus, but unfortunately our music special is going to be a little late due to reasons, um, just some complications with getting stuff recorded and um, some personal stuff that's going on behind the scenes. So uh, we're going to get that to you as soon as we can, but unfortunately it's not coming out uh, when I was hoping to release it. Uh, but I'd had this little thing um, in the back of my head, even though it's a one man show and I despise one man podcasts, but you know, a lot of listeners have uh, mentioned that they, enjoy our picks or our recommendations uh, for video games. And I figured with, you know, uh, gift cards and holiday money and all of that stuff, you know, some of you might be looking for some new stuff to play, some off the radar stuff, not necessarily the big games. And so I thought I would take a few minutes to talk about some games that I will probably not end up mentioning on the podcast proper, simply because you know, when we're running short on time and things of that nature, I'm always the one who cuts what I'm going to talk about um, in the interest of our guests or uh, Patrick or whoever else is on the show at the time. So there's stuff that just gets, you know, thrown by the wayside. And these are also games that are probably not going to get mentioned uh, on our upcoming year in review as far as games that are going to make it into my top five uh, for the year. Not because they're bad games by any means. Just because I know that they're not going to crack that, that list is pretty much locked in. We still have some time here. So I've, I'm going to be playing some other games that may end up cracking that list, but, um, these are not likely to do so. So yeah, just thought I would throw this together. Minimal editing. It's almost like a YouTube video for your ears. Uh, so be sure to click that like button and smash that subscribe button and ring the bell for notifications, y'all. Um, so you can hear more podcasts like this. I don't know. Yeah, so I guess without further ado, I'll just jump right into it. Uh, the first one I wanted to talk about, I mentioned briefly, well, not briefly, but I mentioned it on that little music special that I threw out earlier in the year, but that's really all that I've ever mentioned about it. I've never talked about it on the show, uh, and it's been a while now since I played it, so it's this is probably the only time I'm ever going to talk about it. Uh, this is actually a little game that came out in 2015 that I completely missed. I don't even remember people talking about it at the time, but I know... I had heard the name. It's called Oxenfree. And the reason I ended up picking this game up was because it gets mentioned uh, quite often by Rob Pearson on the PlayStation Access Friday features, which I've mentioned before. You should definitely check out the Friday features from PlayStation Access on YouTube. They're phenomenal. Um, I just adore hearing that man talk. And he, he loves Oxenfree for a lot of reasons, one of which is that it's a game that you can beat in one sitting. Uh, it's very short. It's like, I think like four four hours, maybe five hours tops. I had no idea what to expect when I started playing it. I thought it was just going to be kind of a quirky little adventure style game. And it is, but what I wasn't prepared for was how freaking scary it is. It gets weird and creepy real fast. And I had started playing this game like around midnight, just on the, on a blue, like on a Friday night or something like that, Friday or Saturday night, and was not prepared for what I was in store for and ended up playing the whole thing. That night, I think I finished like 4, 4.30 in the morning or something like that, um, because the narrative just totally sucked me in, but it was also just super creepy. St- stayed with me for days uh, after I finished it. I actually uh, played through it again all the way through, um, like like two days later, because it's definitely one of those games that is about, uh, you get you get more out of it if you play it multiple times. 
I was satisfied with the ending that I got on the second playthrough, so I didn't go any further, but I definitely could have. But basically, you know, you pl- you're playing a girl who is going to this party on an island with some of her friends from school. There's not supposed to be anybody on this island during this party. Uh, they kind of bribed someone to let them take the ferry uh, onto the island when they weren't supposed to be. And things happen that involve time loops and possible ghosts and other things. Like, it's not one that I really want to, like, go into, like, depth on because the the beauty of the game is in discovery. Just go in with as little info as possible. Just just be aware that it is a adventure game with minimal mechanics. The, the main puzzle mechanic is that you have this radio, this little shortwave radio that you're tuning the dial to to find out to solve puzzles and also get information. And at certain points you can find different radio stations that are like being intercepted on the Island that will give you music or like creepy audio clips or a glimpse into the history of this Island that you're on. Um, it's really cool. The dialogue is amazing. The voice acting is great. Uh, as far as tone, it reminds me of another small little game called night in the woods, which is another one that I didn't really talk about much last year that I really enjoyed, but if you're familiar with Night in the Woods at all, uh, I definitely recommend playing Oxenfree if you enjoyed that at all. Um, if not, if you're not into the adventure game, this might not do it for you, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And like I said, it stuck with me. Like I still, I, I can, I still remember it vividly. And that's kind of a rarity for me with video games these days. Uh, also a f- fantastic soundtrack. So worth it for that as well. Let's see. Next one. Uh, okay, so this one, it's going to get a little heavy, and I apologize, but that's why I wanted to put it early uh, in this list. Uh, I picked up Life is Strange 2, but as of this recording, only the first episode has been released, which is unfortunate. I, I was, I wish I had more to say about it. If you listen to the show for a long time, you know that uh, the Life is Strange games really hit me where I live. There's definitely people on that team that have dealt with family loss or sudden loss in a way that feels very immediate and real. And for someone who has experienced that, they become very emotional experiences. And I will say that Life is Strange 2, episode 1, is is no exception. It's very shocking. But I think one of the things that really stood out for me is that it tells the story of two Mexican-American boys in the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, I, I am, I don't know, I guess, I don't, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show. I'm mixed race. I'm a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but I've never connected with the Mexican, uh, heritage in, that I have. It's, it's always felt weird and uncomfortable to me. And I've never clicked with it. I don't really like the food. I don't really like the music. I don't like the language. Um, and so I've always felt very alienated from that part of my family, even though that's predominantly what I am. Uh, I've always felt more, well, I've, I've really felt more like a white dude, honestly, but like if even closer to like the black part of my family than, than the Mexican part of my family. Um, so it was very eye opening and very interesting to be in the shoes of this, you know, Mexican American, uh, teenage boy who is going through a really rough spot, uh, very stressful, a very emotional time, uh, and also trying to take care of his little brother. Uh, but then also just like dealing with, you know, systemic racism and just the way that people look at them and, 
Uh, you know, it, that's one of the things that I've talked about that I love about video games is being able to step into the shoes of someone that you don't identify with and see, see the world through their eyes. And that's very much what this first episode of Life is Strange 2 was like. Uh, I mean, there's literally a part where I had an opportunity to steal from this convenience store at a time when we really needed food and supplies, but we still had money. And I, and I thought to myself, no, I'm not going to do that unless it's absolutely necessary. And right now it's not absolutely necessary. Uh, but I still got accused of shoplifting by the very racist, uh, shop owner who wasn't even in the shop when we were there, uh, and ends up kidnap or yeah, kidnapping my, the character and chaining him up in the back room and literally says the words, it's because of people like you that we need this wall. And it's, I mean, that's what this game is going for. And I think it comes by it honestly. And I'm really curious to see where it, where it goes from there. Uh, first episode was pretty amazing and I can't wait to see more. Obviously probably won't end up talking about the, it and again on the show until everything is said and dusted. Uh, but I did want to make sure that people are aware that it's out because I don't know if it really got a lot of buzz at the time. Uh, and that it's good. Uh, you know, it's, I think with Life is Strange Before the Storm, myself and a lot of people weren't sure if it was going to be any good after that stellar first game. And it, that was, and then also this sequel is shaping up to be just as good, just as affecting and with very likable characters. So even if you're sad that there's no Max or Chloe in this sequel, I don't think it really matters because these new characters are just great. So, uh, don't sleep on it. If you enjoyed that first game at all, I highly recommend it and can't wait to see what comes up next. All right. You know, and I apologize. Is for for getting a little heavy there, but I promise you that the next thing is like the the polar opposite of heavy. It's a game that I picked up after playing through Hitman Two and and finishing up The Witcher Three, both very mature, very violent games. And I wanted something just light and fluffy, and kind of a like a palate cleanser almost. And I mentioned it briefly on the episode with Ryan Scott, but um, I picked up the Spyro Reignited trilogy. Um, really just because it looks so damn pretty and I had fond memories of the first Spyro game, which I thought that I had finished, but I clearly didn't because after I got, you know, about 25% into the game, I did not recognize anything anymore. And I'm shocked because it's so damn easy. It is like baby's first platformer. So I don't know why I wouldn't have finished it back in the day. Um, cause that's also back in the time when I was finishing my games. I, d I didn't really have much of a backlog. So I don't know what happened there back in the PS1 days for me to not have finished the first Spyro game. It's, it's a really pretty game. It's, it's, it's real, it's real bright and colorful. And I love the character and it's just fun to romp around that world. I don't think it's a good platformer. I know that's probably a little controversial to say, but I don't think Spyro handles very well. Especially when you're charging, the charge is terrible and it's, it's very easy to have something right in front of you that you need to charge at and then have him go like just, just right, right past it. And that happened over and over for me, uh, when he's, uh, gliding or flying, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't bank well. His jump is very poor. And a lot of times I found myself missing jumps that I was supposed to be able to nail but he just couldn't make it. And, you know, for a game that is about making jumps, that's, that's kind of terrible. 
Um, not to say that this isn't a good game or, or f- worth playing. It's, it's very fun. It's very enjoyable. I just think that if you're comparing it to the Mario's of the world or the, you know, Donkey Kong's of the world or even the Crash Bandicoot's of the world, ugh. Um, even by that measure, I don't think that this game, uh, stands up. So if you're looking for like a really good platforming game, this isn't going to fit the bill. But if you just want like a fun little romp and, you know, collect things and see those, those progress bars, you know, go to 100%, this will, this will do you good. You know, I, I think it's a good price for it and it's, it's fun to look at. Um, I also don't think the soundtrack is very good at all. Uh, very repetitive and just not entertaining compositions. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I, I, I got every, every trophy on the first Spyro game. I'm going to put it down for a little bit, play some other things, and then I'll probably do the same thing for Spyro 2 and then go away from it again and then eventually complete all the Spyro 3. So it it is a recommendation from me. Just take the advisement that it, it it's far from a hardcore platform game like you would be led to believe from or or maybe maybe even from memory like maybe you're thinking of it as being in the Mario echelon and it is very much not that the next little game is another platform game um this is one that i had been planning on skipping but then there's just so much buzz about it around the um the game awards this year and then i heard a lot of buzz from like the giant bomb folks about it possibly being one of the top games of the year spoiler alert it didn't end up getting that high but it's celeste Apparently, they refer to it as a splatformer. It's in that super Meat Boy vein where it's about very precision platforming. You're going to die a lot and very quickly, but it's okay because you get reset to the, the beginning of that room immediately. So you don't have to worry about long load times or anything like that when you fail. It's it's a game that expects you to fail and expects you to figure out how to play the game through failure. And I'm all fine and good with that, um, but this game just did absolutely nothing for me. Um, I understand why people like it. I can definitely see why people like it. It's just pressing all of the buttons that I don't want pressed. I'm really over the 16-bit aesthetic, uh, unless you're doing something really unique and special with it. Because I lived through it. Like, like I've played all those games, and while it was nice to see that come back in a time when, like, you know, after going through like the PS1 and PS2 era where it was almost all polygons and very little 2D art, um, it was nice to see that come back in the indie market, but I'm kind, I'm, I'm over it now. I'm, I really am. And when you have a sprite as small as Celeste where there's really no detail in her sprite, so there's no real way for her to emote or anything like that, um, it just doesn't do anything for me. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's really, um, you feel accomplished when you get through a particularly tough part of like section of platforming, but I find myself just saying to what end, you know, I, I played it for a couple hours and it's not that I wasn't enjoying myself. It was just that I've seen it before. I've done it before. It didn't feel fresh or special. And it also was definitely not what I'm looking for at that point. Maybe I'll go back to it later. I know a lot of people are really high on the, on the soundtrack also. And I think the soundtrack is just legit bad. I, yeah, I'm not even going to like beat around the bush. I, I actively dislike the music in that game. And that was like, I know a big hooking point for a lot of people like, Oh, those, those, those songs and those remixes of the songs are so amazing. And it's like, 
it's chiptune. You know, it, it's, it's nothing that I haven't heard before and I've heard better in far better games. Again, not saying that it's a poor, like a bad game or, you know, not worthy of the, like, the effusive praise that it's getting. It's just really not for me. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I've, I feel nothing for that game. So, uh, sorry to burst Celeste fans bubbles, but, uh, you know, I, I will stand alone in that like I do with Nier Automata and Valkyria Chronicles 4 and Grand Theft Auto 5. Just, just the lone person in the wind who dislikes a game that everybody else universally loves. It's fine. I'm getting used to it at this point. And that brings me to, well, this is going to be a really short show. I thought I was going to like get at least half an hour out of this, but I am not. I'm, you know, this is a real short little thing. I, I need somebody else to play off of. That's the thing. Uh, I need someone to comment and, uh, you know, maybe I should have like grabbed someone for this, but I did not. This, this, it, this is why single man podcasts just really are the worst. Uh, I'll do better next time. And trust me, the, the music special is going to be worth the wait. Last but certainly not least is a game that I picked up purely on the recommendation of John Brandon from the Square Roots podcast. He was talking about this game on a recent episode of their show. They're actually going through Dragon Quest V right now. So if you are behind on that, they're only on like episode four right now. So I highly recommend listening to them go through their first Dragon Quest game on Square Roots. But uh it's Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. Which, you know, this is the same team who did that remake, Wonder Boy and the Dragon's Trap last year. And, I mean, the whole lineage of Wonder Boy and Monster Boy, and I I think Alex Kidd is involved somehow, and I think Adventure Island is in there at some point. Like, it's a very confusing lineage that there's a Retronauts all about it, and I listened to that episode, and I was still confused. Like, just, there's a bunch of games in the series that go by different names and are just very, very tangentially related to each other. It's a really weird series. Um, But this is not a remake like Wonder Boy and the Dragon's Trap was. This is a brand new game from the same team. And it is amazing. I don't, again, I don't know if it's going to crack my top five. But it, it, it could, like, I might be doubling up on this as far as talking about it, and if so, I apologize in advance. But it's one of those games that, you know, I think I had two hours into it as of, like, going into the weekend on Friday. And then by Saturday night, I had ten hours into it, and I don't know where those other eight hours came from. All I know is that I played that game a hell of a lot over the weekend. And, you know, it's a, it's an action platformer, but it is... And it is, it's a, it's an action platform that requires precision like Celeste does, but it's not trying to do this bullshit like retro thing with the graphics. It is just bloody gorgeous from head to toe. Big, well animated sprites that look like they belong in a cartoon. Super detailed backgrounds, especially when you get to the town where it's got like three or four levels of parallax with all of these different townspeople in the foreground and background. Uh, that you, you want to be able to interact with because they look so interesting and cool, but they're just like set, set dressing, basically beautiful particle effects and like just neat things that they do with like water and lava and everything about it is just top notch. And it, it's a, uh, it's a game where you start off as like just a kid with a sword and a shield and then you get more equipment and you're going through these levels. It, it's sort of a exploration based game a la Metroid or Castlevania. But 
less about, you know, getting everything in the map. Like there's de- like definitely you're picking up new equipment and gear, but a lot of that is more about like, oh, well now you're going to take less damage from this type of attack or you're going to do this type of um elemental damage for this weapon. The important gear that you come across is very obvious where you know, you'll get to a spot where you can't progress anymore and then you find this treasure chest with these boots that you need that all of a sudden now you can traverse the area that you couldn't before. Those are very explicitly found where all of the bonus stuff is definitely more about just trying to outfit your guy with as much cool gear as you can. But then on top of that, you end up getting cursed. Like, a, 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 like first you get turned into a pig who has a like very poor attack, but he can sniff out secrets and he can do a butt stomp. And then you turn into a snake who can get through like small areas and can flip switches with his poison attack. And you just have all these different forms that you keep getting. And each one adds a completely new layer of mechanics onto the game. So by the time you get to the frog knight who has this tongue that can allow him to swing from certain rings, like you like Simon could on Super Castlevania 4 or Samus could with the grappling hook on Super Metroid. Um, you also have these special like slingshot points and they'll chain like five or six of these together to where you have to really be on it in order to get from point A to point B. But it's super thrilling once you get there. Um, really opens up the game and, and just each one of these forms just adds like exponentially more depth to the gameplay. And so then you start to get into situations where just in order to get through this room, you're going to switch between like three of these different forms just to do a very specific thing. And at the point of the game that I'm at now, like you have to do that very quickly. You know, it's like jump up with the frog, swing to this platform, double jump. And then while you're in midair is transform to the snake who can cling to this ceiling and then get around this area and then turn to the pig who has to use a bomb in order to break this block in order to solve a puzzle. Like it's that level of uh, timing and precision, precision. And it can get a little frustrating at times, but it's also very rewarding and, Again, just beautiful to look at. Amazing soundtrack. I'm actually going to highlight one of the songs in the music special. So I really can't recommend it enough. It's a $40 game, which might seem like a bit much like when you first look at it. It's really well worth it. Um, I'm about 60% through as far as like completion goes as of the map. You know, I don't know how much I would have if I'm just like mainlining, you know, getting to the end of the game. But it's one of those games where I, I totally see myself trying to 100% it, and that'll probably take me a good 20-something hours. But just enjoying every bit of it, like, I'm probably going to fire that up when I finish editing this bad boy. But that's going to do it. I've, I've played a lot of other stuff during the break, and I'll be playing quite a bit more. But those are bigger games like Soul Calibur Six and Monster Hunter and things of that nature. So those will probably get talked about on the show proper. Uh, when we're back from break, but these were some games that I just kind of wanted to take a moment to talk about in depth and let you guys know what I think about them. And maybe you have some, uh, recommendations for some smaller games that might, you know, fill that. I was going to say the void between Christmas and the beginning of the year, but there is no void because, you know, January we're getting like Onimusha HD and Resident Evil 2. And then February is just packed. So there's not really a lot of time to, to try to like play some of these smaller games, but eh, some of these are really worth taking the time out to do so. Uh, if you enjoyed this, definitely let me know either on Twitter or at Pixelbit. Let me know if you picked any of these up or if, you know, I sw- 
persuaded you in any way to try any of these? That's, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is, you know, my retail days and how much I enjoy recommending games to people and them coming back to me and saying, you know, that was a really great game and I had a lot of fun with it. And I'm glad that you told me about it because I would have totally missed out on it if you hadn't let me know about it. So if I do that for you at all with any of these games, definitely let me know. Uh, as always, I'm on Twitter at Julian underscore Titus. The show is on Twitter at NWPcast. You can always go to Pixelbit and comment there uh, or over at Facebook at Facebook.com slash Nerds Without Pants Podcast. I uh, don't know exactly when that music special will be out, but it should be fairly soon. I'm trying to keep stuff coming on the normal days that our episodes would be out, even though we're on hiatus. I am pretty sure that we're going to record our first episode of the year on the... 24th. So we've still got a couple weeks here. Well, almost three weeks of break time to really get some other games under our belts and uh, see what we have to say for our game of the year roundup. And that'll be the first thing that we record. And then, like I said, got new features coming out. We're going to be doing giveaways, all sorts of fun stuff coming in 2019 for y'all. As always, thanks for listening and keep it pants on the internet. Goodbye.